0: Action. Welcome to Torn Stubbs with me, your host, photographer Robert Gershenson,
1: and Joshua Wedding, the greatest film critic you've never heard of.
0: And we're going to the movies. We're continuing our exploration into non-superhero comic book movies as we move on to 2005's Frank Miller's Sin City, directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez. Have you seen this before, Joshua? Yes. I have, have you read the books? No. Not any of them? No, I don't think so.
1: No, I haven't, actually. I- pretty sure I haven't that's surprising
0: why I just assumed you would have read at least one of them oh no, right
1: I just no I just didn't really fancy it
0: I have been a Sin City fan for so <laughs> fucking
1: long <laughs> this is just like perfect for you because it's all about style <laughs> it's pure style what you're saying I'm shallow
0: <laughs> I I used to go to this shop in Watford called Books 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 I think it was called Books 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 what or- do they sell <laughs> <laughs> cars, but it was bang opposite a Waterstones, and Books, Books, Books was this independent little bookstore. But they sold everything at like warehouse price. Mm. So I was getting trade paperbacks, graphic novels of Sin City, brand new when they should have been like ten ninety nine. I was getting them for like two or three quid a pop. Wow! So I was getting all my Sin Cities from there, and that just completely completely fell in love with the style and with the world and with the tone. Mm -hmm. So when the film came along in 2005, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that I was living in a world where a Sin City film was happening. (laughs) And I remember seeing it with my boyfriend at the time in Leeds and he was unimpressed, Mm. but I was fucking (laughs) loving it. What, because of why? (laughs) I just think it's incredibly simple storytelling Mm. they're very simple stories recreated in a very simple way it's just black and white on the page Mm. it's just black and white positive and negative light and it says so much about
1: the morality of the characters Mm. it's yeah it's definitely very stylistically kind of stark and it's you find yourself kind of just leaning in to look at the frame and like it has weird stuff like when people are shot, they bleed white. Um, yeah, it, it's got a really unique, interesting look. And I, I've seen kind of pages from the novels and, you know, it looks, the film looks like a live action version of the books, yes. of course. And like, that's why the the film starts with shot and cut by Robert Rodriguez because yeah. they didn't, they didn't have a, they didn't technically have a script writer the, the script was the graphic novels. Yes. Um, well, Robert Rodriguez got
0: Frank Miller involved because he said, you've already directed this. Mm. It's on the page.
1: And wasn't that the time, around the time where Frank Miller was basically like, I don't want to work within movies anymore because everyone's fucked up, all my stuff. No, that's Alan Moore. Oh, that's Alan Moore. Okay. You're, getting, you're getting confused. Styles.
0: Right. Frank Miller's always had a very close relationship to, to the movies. He yeah. wrote Robocop 3. Ah, okay. I think he also wrote Robocop 2. Ah. So he's always had a quite a, a close connection to the movie world. Yeah. This is the first time that he was directing a film.
1: Right. It makes sense because this is a, a film noir. Um, I mean, I guess, because it's obviously so similar to the novel, the, the novel would have been a film noir in novel form, right? Yes. So. I mean, they're, they're all...
0: The origin obviously comes from sort of shitty pulp fiction novels yeah. of the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties. That kind of pulpy, mm. very cliche but not cliche, set uh-huh. in its ways, genre. Yeah. Sort of reimagined in this starkly, like you said, visual style. Yeah. For Robert Rodriguez to take that and apply it to the screen, I think it's the greatest thing he's ever done. This is his this is
1: this is his best film. Mm. He's not Create... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Faculty is clearly his best film. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so <laughs> he has
0: he hasn't just adapted Sin City to the screen. He's just transferred it. All that's mm. missing is someone turning the page. Yeah. It, it 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 is a prime example of how you can use CGI to enhance the story, not the
1: other way around. Mm. Like so this this was after they did Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow which was the first, one of the first films that was entirely shot on a soundstage, kind of with green screen. That I'm kind sure of... Phantom Menace was. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, the, you know, this is in that era where yeah. suddenly digital effects had reached such a degree of kind of um, efficacy or, you know, whatever, like sophistication, that you could actually make a film with nothing more than a, a green curtain and a couple of actors and a computer. Yeah. Um and that seems to actually have fallen out of fashion. Like, you know, what films in the past five, five or six years have actually been made that way?
0: All those bloody Marvel films.
1: They still were on location. They still use real locations. Yeah. They go out shooting in cities and streets. I think the stuff. Star
0: Wars films geared <clears throat> back towards practical effects. Yeah. And using real locations. Like um, yeah. parts of Rogue One were shot at um, Canary War. Yeah.
1: So- Tube station. So I think, I feel like the the sort of cinematic use of CGI and um, chroma keying, I think it's called, where you yeah. have a green screen backdrop and you add in your backgrounds, that has become, that reached its pinnacle around this era. And then I think, you know, after Star Wars, all the, the overblown CGI stuff where people were like, oh my God, look what we can do. So about the prequels. The prequels, Yeah. yeah. Then it was like, oh shit, we need to go back to people don't want intangible kind of computer graphics. They want physical realism in their sci-fi. There is one element um, or one area of the
0: media that uses uh, Chroma Key, green Mm. screen excessively Mm. and that's the weather.
1: Yes, that's (laughs) true.
0: (laughs) So essentially George Lucas was like, well, it works for the weather. I could put Star (laughs) Wars in the weather.
1: Yeah. And actually, I was watching an amazing video on YouTube where... It was, Henry Cavill was topless. It wasn't that one. That's when you came in. Um, it was uh, David Fincher. David Fincher uses a lot of green screen, but you oh, yeah. never notice it. It's so, so clever. Yeah,
0: um, lots of the outside shots in Zodiac were shot that yeah. way.
1: Same in Gone Girl. There's, there's yeah. this great video that shows you the scene in the film, and then it wipes away the, the, you know, the exterior backgrounds or whatever mm. and shows that it's all just green screen.
0: That's my favorite use
1: of digital effects when it's
0: used in service of the story
1: it is not the story it optimizes what you've already got basically yeah it enhances
0: what you've already shot if you haven't i always say to people that when i run photography workshops get it at least 95 percent in camera then you use photoshop and lightroom to enhance what you've shot Mm. if you're trying to correct a shitty image Mm. in photoshop or lightroom still a shitty image you're just adding to
1: it yeah you're just muddying it up a little bit How do you feel about
0: the male gaze in this film? (laughs) Just switching there.
1: (laughs) I, do you know what? Watching, so I have seen this film a couple of times Mm. and when it first came out, I kind of thought, yeah, you know, it was very, very stylish. It was very kind of, um, you know, it hits you in the face with its style um, but I always found the portrayal of women in it really uncomfortable. And rewatching it this time, I actually found it unbearable. I it was—it's so.
0: How are they portrayed?
1: Well, there's this thing where you like fake, like faux femi- feminism. So you, the, the story is telling us that characters like um rosario dawson are like badass you know they 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 flaunt their sexuality they're owning their bodies by wearing this kind of s&m leather gear Uh but actually they have no power it's all fetish fetishization and um the film repeatedly over and over and over again finds ways for the men to um prove their own machismo and their own masculinity at the cost of the women. So we're told that Rosara Dawson is a badass bitch. And then Marv steps out of her ropes and she's like, but I told, I, I tied those. So it's like even at her best, you know, her, her skill is tying ropes so well that people can't escape. Yeah. And this guy comes along and just steps out of them. And it, it was really infuriating, really, really pissed me off. <laughs> these are, these um, are things from the comics. So Frank Miller's yeah. always had
0: a uh, difficult relationship, I guess, with how he portrays yeah. women. He likes women in a particular way. He, he, the women are always objectified. Absolutely. They're always big tits, big bum, proper rock-hard nipples. Yeah. And when it's in stark black and white on the page, it it's very angular, it's very geometric. Mm. Thematically, yeah, I think he's taken his lead from the origins of the genre where yes, a woman can be strong, but she'll always need saving by the man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Rosario Dawson's Gale is the head of the prostitutes. Yeah. They might be referred to as the Sin City Girls, but they Mm. are all whores. They are all Mm. prostitutes. She's strong. She takes no bullshit. She's an 80s style badass, but she still is in service to the men.
1: Yeah, and there's just there's some like some hideous dialogue, like <laughs> like where Mar- it's basically all Marv, and you know he is obviously he's, slow and simple. He's a very particular kind of character. You're you're not you're supposed to kind of like him as kind of an anti-hero but he says lots of stuff like she tried to analyze me once but she got too scared like it sounds like playground bollocks like oh yeah i went out with this girl but she was actually like she was rubbish or like i I was too i was too clever for her or you know it's all just utter bullshit
0: with any other character maybe i would agree with that but with marv because he's so slow (laughs) he is i mean for want of a better word, he's slow. He's clearly on the autistic spectrum. That's the whole point of him. But it was written and set in a time before that was even a thing. I don't think he would have any sort of understanding of what you've just said. Mm. I think he just generally is so fucked up that he genuinely (laughs) scared his psychotherapist.
1: Yeah, but then he also says things like, Oh, she's a lesbian, I don't know why she could have any man she wanted. It's just yeah. like fucking nonsense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you have to remember you know,
0: this these books are nearly thirty years old. I, yeah, I tell totally you. And they're rooted in the forties.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But the thing I'm is, not
0: defending them, I'm just giving you an explanation as to No, it's a discussion. Because we are you know, we are so woke we are like yeah, yeah, yeah. so
1: fucking woke. We're like painfully woke. Pain, nowadays. Painfully yeah, woke. We are. We're I like know. we're past woke. Yeah, we're, we're like, like, we're like we're so like, awake that we are... We're like wokey-pokey,
0: <laughs> right? So looking at it in, to, in 2020 eyes, yeah. of course things in this film and the books are going to appear completely like, oh, we not be able to do that these days because times have moved on. You can look at John... But they still did in
1: 2014 as well and when they did the sequel. And it you know, bombed it's the same and thing. disappeared. It yeah, because time had moved on. Well, um, also they
0: chose they made for the sequel. Frank Miller wrote two extra stories that had never been used before Mm. and they were fucking dire. Uh, It was really, I was disappointed by that, that sequel really disappointed.
1: I just think that they've missed, they missed a trick. Um, because they, I feel like when they were creating this world, they were so focused on visually, um, like inverting accent, you know, uh, accenting and kind of amplifying tropes of the film noir genre that they forgot to look at other areas of the story that they could have done that to you. Like they like they, they could have been a great, they could have, you know, there, were, there are how many female characters in this film? They could have had fun playing around with the femme fatale trope. They didn't, they chose not to. They left it as an empty kind of sexualized fetish symbol with no power whatsoever. Whereas everything else was was kind of, amped up for our generation i think Um, if they were
0: making it now then yes just because where the culture is rightly they would be almost forced to reevaluate.
1: yeah yeah
0: but i think i mean do you i'll ask you do you think robert Rodriguez was so in love with the source material that he was completely blinded about other possibilities that weren't on the page yeah i
1: think maybe he was trying to stick as close to the original books as he possibly could yeah um well, clearly he did. Yeah. So that's, that's must be a reason why certain things weren't, you know, if these books are 30 years old, this film is only six, 14 years old, 15, 15 years old. So, you know, time had moved on since the books were written. So they could have updated or changed certain things um, to reflect yeah. that in the film. And I'm just thinking about films like Mad Max Fury Road, which is a big ballsy masculine masculine action film that came Um, out
0: a year after the sequel to this
1: yeah and it's it's about feminine and female empowerment and it's got some great female characters who do wear skimpy outfits and yet they are empowered and they save each other and themselves look at wonder woman All all of those characters wear skimpy outfits you know fine but they feel genuinely empowered and then i don't know if you have seen the happy time murders is, uh,
0: oh yes 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 yeah with um
1: with melissa mccarthy Yeah, with, of with all the muppets i fucking loved that film yeah and that plays shit but funny i mean yeah but that plays around with noir tropes so yeah. the 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 woman who is the obvious femme fatale who gets shagged in the office and all this stuff yeah. she turns out to be not only a victim but also the big bad <laughs> and they they have real fun playing with that trope and that's the kind of thing i wanted to see in sin city so in terms of the comics
0: frank miller hasn't released a Sin City book since 2000 or 2001. Mm. But he says he's got one more in him, or at least one more, but it's going to be a Western, so it will be a prequel. (laughs) It would be interesting to see if he carries on in the same vein that he's been writing these books for 30 years, Mm. or if he hears you or hears the culture, Mm. takes on board the fact that it can't be like that anymore to get as wide a possible... A claim that say, not that you should do anything for a claim, but the culture's moved on, so will mm. he start subverting in the prequel in the Western period?
1: I don't know, but the thing as well is there's there's a disparity between how things look on paper and how they look on the screen. So if you've got a beautiful woman um sort of illustrated on a page, that is art. Yeah. And yet when something is on the screen, it takes on a whole different meaning, a whole other set of sort of values and ways of reading it and you know because
0: a physical human has it yeah
1: yeah and just kind of a history of how women are portrayed in that medium as well yeah. so it somehow for me becomes a lot more obvious what the shortcomings are when it's on screen how um, do you feel how do you feel about the voiceover i mean it's it's another trope of film noir it's fun there's lots of like disturbing stuff in it like again when um, Bruce Willis sees Nancy grown up, he says, she grew up, she filled out. <laughs> and it's like, you last saw her as a traumatised 12-year-old who yeah. you saved. And I now, think she was
0: actually younger in the comic.
1: I mean, in the film, she looks about eight. Yeah. Um, and now you've seen her again and you first thing you notice is that she filled out and then within about 10 minutes, you're fucking her. Like, it's really disgusting and really made me feel like, <laughs> wow, well, I need to have a shower.
0: Um, I'm fine with the voiceover, which is odd, yeah. because I don't often say that but I've always seen film noir or, or noir books I've always seen the voiceover as the protagonist retelling the story to a barman or mm. a district attorney or someone yeah. later on and the whole thing is a flashback
1: yeah yeah that's what it lends itself to is always just like completely pissed at his desk just like that I told us how I was gonna do and it's like, he's just telling it to himself kind of thing. <laughs> like, that's what film noir always sounds like is this film about anything? It's about violence against women, but it it kind of propagates that itself. I I felt like the entire film was about how women are victims and how men are fucking idiots (laughs) who either kill women, hurt women, or, you know, hurt each other. And it's about, it's about this desperate need for acknowledgement of how masculine and how strong you are like so many so many jokes or so many violent moments about cutting off people's dicks or like (laughs) shoot shooting people in the dick like that is the
0: i took away his weapon right both both of of them them.
1: yeah it's like so even marv when he's in the electric chair he's going that's the best you can do you pussies pansies you pansies it's all about how strong how manly you are you know it's like a really weird kind of look at gender but in a really fucked up kind of way i think so like it's, it's black and white it's very black and white it's
0: very black and white yeah i mean it's the point it's all about revenge as well
1: it's about revenge but i do think even in the very first scene it's about violence against women and that carries through the entire film and that's why it feels uncomfortable because it it kind of but portrays lots yes. of violence against women without actually making any real commentary about it or suggesting you know how that might not be okay (laughs) you know is it suggesting it's the women's fault sometimes because there's a there's a line where britney murphy who i love and miss greatly in cinema um (laughs) she says um (laughs) say it like you mean it miss i do miss britney murphy she could have done so much great stuff um but she says you had to beat up on a girl to feel like a man yeah the whole thing is just an absolute mess. (laughs) mess.
0: <laughs> Do you think you felt like that at the time? Did you say... I'm not, I'm not, I can't yeah. remember if you said that or not.
1: When I first saw it, I found the entire second half of the film really troubling for lots of reasons. But even more this time, I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, all these women are naked for no reason. Like, when the the lesbian uh, psychiatrist ends up in a holding cell, she's naked for no reason. And he isn't. Yes. You know? and it You're could, right. I mean, it, it does fit into the character because that character is is victimising women. So, yes. I mean, he would do that. But it's shot in a way that is as, as appealing to a home, heterosexual man as possible, you know? What about the structure? We've got three stories,
0: mm. plus an opening and an epilogue. Yeah. So we've got major, majorly three stories, but it's structured in a way that we start with that yellow bastard the first part of that mm. then we go to the hard goodbye then we go to the big fat kill then we go back to that yellow bastard for the concluding part mm. and then we have the epilogue that ties into the big fat kill
1: yeah i think structurally it, it kind of works it, it's you know the the beginning and the end mirror each other in quite interesting ways yeah the hard goodbye is the best part of the film clearly because marv is brilliant
0: well my favorite book has always been that yellow bastard
1: right which is... Um, the Bruce Willis one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Nick Stahl. And why does he, why does he turn yellow? Because uh, he's a coward. Ah. Uh, what happened to Nick Stahl? What happened to Nick Stahl? Because he's actually really Terminator good. 3 happened to yeah, Nick Stahl. Yeah, I know. Was that after this? No, that was just before. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a shame.
0: He was in Bully. He was it's in... It's like the
1: Terminator fucking curse. Like Ed is that it?
0: Oh, I think Christian Bell. What's he? Ah, oh, Christian Bell's done nothing since. If you play John Connor, then you, you know, you're well, fucked. Well, he's done nothing since, hasn't he? Yeah, Christian exactly. Bale, he hasn't won an Oscar at all. No, I know exactly. He didn't do the Big Short or Vice. Oh, <laughs> if that was you're for
1: Molina, <laughs> if you're American and you play John Connor, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and your name's Nick Stahl. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yeah. What's the, what
0: was the other one called? Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. That's it. Yeah. Got shot in the back in the uh, in the most recent one. Oh, book. I
1: know. Great. Great. I, I loved little. it. Poor little bastard. Guts. That took guts.
0: I um, I really like how they split things up mm. it gives it a, a bookend it, it almost feels because it, it 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 you know it it starts and finishes with the same kind of the same set of characters yeah it feels like Robert Rodriguez has taken his lead from Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino mm, yeah where we start and finish in the same place yes and yeah. I think I think that might have been a Maybe that was a pressure from the studio saying, look, that worked. This isn't going to work unless we do something similar structurally. Mm. It had become part of the new grammar of how we see anthology films. Do you remember Go? Yeah. It starts in the supermarket, ends in the supermarket. Mm. Even, and
1: that's an anthology of three stories that intertwine. It's just that's, that's just good storytelling is that the first act should always mirror the third act and vice versa. Mm. That's just storytelling. Um, so, are you, do you mean that the yellow bar, that yellow bastard, isn't isn't actually split in two parts like it is in the film? No, it's one continuous book. Ah, that's interesting because it Cause works. It, it cause works. Cause these, she's older, you know. One thing I should explain:
0: the hard goodbye was originally published as Sin City. Hmm. Then each other book had its own title. Hmm. So what we're seeing here are three of the graphic novels adapted. It's not a case of in one edition. Frank Miller wrote and released three books. Yeah. So we've actually got three films in one. They're just very simple, short stories yeah. that have been put up on the screen in a two-hour film. Yeah. Do you think it's too long? Yes, I got, I got really tired. About what time? Because I, I've heard other people say this. I don't, because maybe because I have such a connection to it that I'm just loving the experience. But yeah.
1: I've heard other people say, it's too long. The Big Fat Kill is too long. That could be half the length. The whole tar pit thing, it just went on way too long and was just a bit cringe. There is a there is a line.
0: There's a line in that section where someone says to Dwight, played by Clive Owen, uh, showed up with that new face of yours. And then another line, someone says, "Murderer with a new face. Do you know what that's a reference to? No. So Dwight, the character, had... Another story called "The Dame to Kill for," and oh. that was adapted into the second film, yeah, but I think they they eradicated or left out of that second film something that's quite unique in the book hmm. um and i've always seen it this way i don't know if anyone else has or if if people are just ignoring it, but I think the character of Dwight started off as a black man oh. and then when he was shot in the face and left for dead in his first story a dame to kill for and Mm -hmm. he has
1: surgery he comes back as a white guy oh i mean that's interesting from a style point because it is a black and white world but also quite troubling yeah yeah so i understand why they might have left that out when they recast the role as
0: josh brolin in the second Mm -hmm. film
1: yeah it's the same character is this the last time that bruce willis was objectively good I was because, just about to say, this is not the late Bruce Willis. No, this is the the about to be ailing Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. Like what's the line that he says where he's like, uh, hell of a way to start my retirement. Yeah. <laughs> like that's basically this is yeah. the start of Bruce Willis's retirement, this film. Yep.
0: And even Robert Rodriguez, this is Robert Rodriguez's greatest film. He was never mm. he didn't make anything as good before, didn't make anything as good since. Planet yeah. Terror, almost close to, but not quite there. He's done fuck all since. <laughs> yeah. Done Shark Boy and Lava the pred- Girl. The
1: Predators as well, wasn't it?
0: Did he direct that or did he just co-write it?
1: No, I think he, he actually directed it. The fucking Machete films. That Al- thing he did last year Alita with... to Battle Angel. What? Yeah, it's all gone wrong for him. Mickey Rourke. What a return. Yeah, actually it was. It was his big comeback.
0: What a return. And he, but he, and was he looks in, nothing um, like himself. He was in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is the film that Rodriguez did before this. Oh, okay. He had a small role, holding yeah. the Chihuahua, got a shot in the back.
1: Oh. But
0: this, he's phenomenal. Yeah. It does help that he's got prosthetics on. He yeah. actually looks like the character uh-huh. in, in the comic, sort of angular nose and everything. Elijah Wood. Oh, terrifying. Never been so creepy.
1: So creepy. I'm like, this is what, to a year after Return of the King?
0: Two years after The Return of the King. So, yeah. It so was, he was going towards that, I'm going to just do weird films from now yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Josh um, Hartnett.
1: Oh my, was, do you know what? The moment that I stopped enjoying the film is when Josh Hartnett wasn't in it anymore. <laughs> so he's only in it for the <laughs> beginning of the end. Exactly. <laughs> but
0: they hadn't worked together since the faculty. And in fact, yeah. Elijah Wood was in the faculty as well. Oh,
1: right? yeah, of course he was.
0: Yeah. How can I forget that? Jessica Alba. Yeah. Do. I always get Jessica Albert and Brittany Murphy
1: mixed up. Oh, well, that's probably why, because they're in the same film. Benicio Del Toro. With prosthetics as well. Yeah. Yeah. But he's always good, even in things he gets where most... he's really
0: fucking annoying.
1: His death is just
0: uh, insane. You know the scene in the car where they're driving to the tar pits and Benicio Del Toro is dead, but he's talking? Mm. That is the scene that Quentin Tarantino directed.
1: Oh, ah
0: special guest director, Quentin Tarantino. Because Robert Rodriguez wants to get Quentin Tarantino to use digital. Uh So he was like, come down, you can direct a scene, see how easy it is.
1: Yeah. But it doesn't feel like Quentin Tarantino. And like, so this, this film, Rodriguez, he did it with, I think the Spy Kids films as well, where it was all kind of.
0: But the Spy Kids films look so synthetic. and, And, Star Warsy.
1: Yeah. But I was trying to think, like he was basically saying this is the future of movie making, this is the future yeah. of technology. And the only people who've really used it since are Alfonso Cuaron on Gravity. Uh-huh. And James Cameron with the Avatar films. That's it. And maybe Zemeckis. Zemeckis uses a lot of mm. green
0: screen and mocap. Especially in Polio Express and yeah. The Walk.
1: But not to the degree where it's hyper stylized in a set world that, you know, people are wearing mocap suits and stuff and the world is built around them. Tintin, you know? Ready Player One. Oh yeah, Ready Player One is one of them, isn't it? Mary but, Poppins Returns. But Ready Player One, <laughs> yeah. but Ready Player one has on location shooting, whereas this has none. No, it's all in a, it's, all it's all in a studio. warehouse in yeah. Austin, Texas. Wait, and so that's when you start to go these are really fucking good actors because they're in a a warehouse doing this.
0: Most actors come from theater, so yeah. if they've been doing black box theater, then they're going to be perfectly fine with this.
1: Oh yeah, I love that. I love that Natalie Portman's excuse about Star Wars was it's not very, you know, it's not very inspiring seeing a blue screen every day and it's like, welcome to the theater, love. <laughs> Just can't use any real actors. Would you watch this again? No. Ever done. I don't want to read them. No. I've just gone completely off it now. I've just really <laughs> it made me feel so uncomfortable um, that I just couldn't watch it again in good conscience. No. A waste of time.
0: That was Sin City directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez. Give us a clue for the next one, Josh. We're
1: going Greek.
0: We're going Greek. Go <laughs> going Greek, girl. <laughs> Cut to the Greek weather. <laughs> we're going Greek. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and TuneIn Radio so you don't miss that episode.
1: And we're on Twitter at TornStabsPod. Pod. Give us a treat. What did you think of Sin City? What are your thoughts on the last two films that we have covered this season?
0: Come and get abused by me. We're off to perpetuate the patriarchy. Until next time.
1: <laughs>
0: I remain Robert Gershenson.
1: I'm Joshua Winning.
0: Cut.